Walking Through Glass, the podcast with your host, Dr. Dina C. Brown. I am uber excited um, this morning to have a conscious conversation with one dynamic diva. And her name happens to start with D2. But in a moment, I am so going to let her tell you all about who she is and what she does and how she's going to give you those really nuggets to help you with your particular walk. Because again, as we're walking through glasses, women, we don't have to walk alone. And once we really have that real concrete understanding, our life begins to shift. But let me just tell you a little bit about what we're going to talk to talk about actually today in our conscious conversation, we are going to talk about that balancing act that we have to have. And I entitled the episode Balancing Act, Purpose, Profession, and Parenting. And I did that for a very specific reason. Number one, our purpose. We spend many, many years thinking we know what our purpose is or trying to find our purpose, paying people for our purpose, you know, getting rerouted on our purpose walk. Um, And then we kind of narrow ourselves and inch ourselves on this particular journey into a profession. And we're just like, okay, this is what I think I really want to do. Said thing, but this is what I want to do. And so you're saying like, wow, this is what I dreamed about as a little girl and all that great things. And then the most magical thing happens. You become a parent and everything that you've done up until such a time as now is like rerouting. (laughs) And so with that, I have a very special guest with us today and she is a spoiler alert. She is the host of the Dr. Mom show, you know, (laughs) and um, I am going to let her introduce herself so we can really get started about really, how do we do that? How do we create that balancing act? So go ahead, Delene, tell them all about you. Hello, everybody. My name is Dr. Delene Mushalak. Shout out to everybody whose name starts with a D, Dr. Dina, Dr. Deline. <laughs> There's something special about that crew. Yes. <laughs> um, well, first, I just want to say, Dr. Dina, thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, you're amazing. Dr. Dina is amazing. Um, so I feel so honored to be on this show to share my experience and 
um, help anybody who's listening. Uh, so just to tell you a little bit about myself, I was originally born in Guyana, South America. Um, a lot of people don't know where that country is. Um, what it, what put it on the map was the Jim Jones massacre. If you remember this like cult with the Kool-Aid and they drank the Kool-Aid. So that's what put my little country on the map. But um, it is a beautiful country. It houses some of the Amazon forest, rainforest. And in addition, it has the longest single drop waterfalls called Kaichor Falls. So it is a beautiful country. So if you ever get the opportunity to go, you should go. And most recently, oil has been discovered in that country. Um, so if you're looking for an investment, invest in Guyana. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just want to go. And I've been to multiple places. Um, I haven't been to Guyana. Yeah, and what's great. I mean, I'm, I'm familiar with it. Yeah. Because I would have to go to Cricket. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I realized that for the Caribbean and the South, you know, South American portion and, you know, Trinidad and both, I hadn't been to Guyana. Guyana. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh. And what is nice is Guyana is the only English speaking country in South America. So you don't even have to try to learn another language. And that's one reason why we're considered part of the West Indies. So we get grouped in with Jamaica and Trinidad and Tobago and stuff. So we got amazing music. Oh, yeah. With some yeah. reggae and soca <laughs> calypso. And then we got some good food. So you have to check it out at some point. Is there um, going to be like a Dr. Mom retreat there? I'm oh, hearing let's that. do it. That's such a good idea. <laughs> Do that and we like seriously take the group i love out. it you know i call it a selfish mommy movement um <laughs> and i did i said i'm gonna launch the selfish mommy movement and where we are just gonna love on ourselves for ourselves yes. and we're Do just it. going to spend that moment thinking about us some me time and just it really is and um i said i'm thinking that it definitely needs to be a dr mom retreat we're gonna I have like it. it we're gonna you do it here first that's right definitely get on the list if you think you want to be interested or you want to go because it's going to be nothing but pure pleasure that's right <laughs> mommy massages included but so after me, I know we're like, obviously you can tell we're overworked. Um, so after, so when I was born in Guyana, I'm so thankful because I was born into a Christian home. Both of my parents are pastors. Um, so, you know, sometimes you feel like, oh my gosh, everybody's looking at me, but I think overall that's a blessing in disguise. Um, so again, I feel blessed to be raised in a Christian home and, I feel my parents did a great job with my sister and I, um, but my parents migrated, ultimately migrated to the United States. I was six at that time, and it was really because in order for my sister and I to get a better education, because you all know, and Guyana is a third world country, um, a lot of times those countries don't have enough finances for a great education. So that's why my parents ultimately moved. And my dad continued to pioneer his church. Um, his church is located in New York currently, Queens, New York. Uh-oh. And, oh, yeah, New York. And um, so my parents and my sister are living in New York. 
Um, but I, of course, moved around when I was smaller. I initially, so being a doctor is my was my backup plan. I initially wanted to be a, a pro tennis player, wow. <laughs> and then hopefully my my kids will grow up because I love tennis, love, love, love. Initially, I fell in love with it because of the outfits. I was like, look at those outfits; they're so cute. You're right. Girl, the other day Serena was playing. I was like, I love her outfit. <laughs> I just want to walk around in that outfit. Well, time, um, it up. time is up. You know. That's true. That's true. Um, but so just just a little side story with that. It was just too expensive at that point. My parents gave up everything and it was just too expensive for them at that time to take tennis lessons because we all know if you have kids you know when your kids get involved in sports you have to pay for everything um and uh what was so ironic though was we used to play and there was a coach at school and he would tell my parents that I have an amazing serve and he said you know you should like get her out to competitions because that's where the scouts are but again my parents couldn't afford it but you never know what could have happened I could have gone out played tennis become a druggie or something God had better plans for me so (laughs) okay yeah (laughs) so um so so that so being a doctor was my backup but no I when I was younger I just enjoyed helping people especially my grandma my mom's mom she probably had the biggest role in me deciding what I wanted to do because grandma was you know your typical patient diabetic high blood pressure high cholesterol um ultimately she ended up having a stroke um but I really enjoyed just helping her and serving her and just doing that for her, I felt that's where my heart was that I just wanted to serve people. And even when I was younger, my parents and my grandparents always had missionaries and missionaries. Now that I think back, always commented on what a servant's heart I had. Um, and I just, I just really enjoy helping people. It just, you know, it just fills me with happiness when when people just say thank you, like thank you for taking time out, thank you for explaining this to me, thank you for helping me know what's going on with me. Um, so so that's been great. So fast forward after we moved, um, we initially lived in the South. We lived in North Carolina. I was cute. I was a little brown girl with my little Southern accent. <laughs> <laughs> My mom was always like, oh, I wish you kept that little Southern accent. So I had my little Southern accent when I was little. Um, But then I continued to pursue being in medicine. And, you know, it's funny how a lot of times the enemy tries to dissuade you from your heart and what you feel. Because just the other day I was talking to another physician and we were just talking about how people can say such discouraging things, but yet it makes you stronger and it makes you more resilient. And I remember in high school, my guidance counselor, and I did well in high school. I was like a straight A student. And he told me, you're not good enough to apply for medical. I don't know why you're thinking about medical school. I don't know why you're thinking that you want to be a doctor. He said that. And I was just like, what? You know, I didn't know what else I was supposed to do. I was studying hard, trying my best. Um, So I went on, I did college, applied for med school, went to med school, and then here came my residency. So when I did my training for residency, 
I always knew I wanted to be a pediatrician. I love, love, love kids. And that probably stemmed from me teaching Sunday school when I was younger because kids are so much fun. Kids always give you hugs and kisses. I mean, they're just amazing to be around. Even when kids are sick, the majority of the time, they're still running around like crazy little ones. So it's nice to be around them because I feel they just make you happy. But when I did my medical school, Um, when I did my rotations, I enjoyed my internal medicine rotation, which is, you know, middle-aged people, older people, because again, I think it kind of reminded me of my grandmother. And ultimately I went on to, um, doing my training for both internal medicine and pediatrics. I know a lot of people think I'm crazy for doing both, but, um, I I was just like glutton for punishment. And I said, I want to do both. So ultimately, I am currently dual boarded in internal medicine and pediatrics. So I get to see everyone. So I call, you know, my little motto is from the cradle to the grave or from the womb to the tomb is what I like to say. (laughs) Hopefully there's some delay between those. Be exactly. Well, that's that's my job is to try to <laughs> extend yeah. that time. <laughs> to, to um, so, so God definitely worked that out. And while in medical school, that's where I met my husband. Ooh. Funny story is he asked me out in medical school, and I was like, uh-uh, I'm not getting distracted. No way. I came here to study, but um, he wooed his way into my heart and <laughs> We ultimately started to date and um, we knew each other for four years and uh, he proposed to me at the end of medical school. So, um, you know, and looking back, I don't think I would ever find somebody as good as him. He's a good man, a good dad, a good husband. Um, He's also a physician. He's a surgeon um, and he's just a good person. Um, So I feel very blessed to have somebody like that. Um. So with time going on, uh, again, I finished up my training. And even in my training, again, I got so far, but one of the program directors told me, you're not going to make it. You know, I don't even know where all this was coming from. Um, and I think part of it was just because I didn't do my training at that school. Um, so he told me I wasn't going to make it. But my class, it was four of us in my class. And when I was done, I was the only one who took both of my board exams for internal medicine and pediatrics and passed both of them on the first try. Okay. And I was well, like, yes. drop the mic. Yes. <laughs> now, I have a question, like, yes. because this is so prevalent in, in our lives. And when I say our lives, I'm speaking particularly to women and then definitely women of color, where we're performing. We are showing up. We are we are in the midst of operating in our calling and our purpose and doing so very well. Yet there always seems to be a naysayer. There always tends to be someone. Mm-hmm. And the sad part is someone in authority or position telling us that we're not enough. Yes. That we can't make it. That we don't fit or that we should try something else that might be a little easier. And when you were sharing that story, it literally, it hit home for me because when I was in high school and I went through the international baccalaureate program, I don't know if you're familiar with IB. I have heard it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so 
When you do an international baccalaureate program, that means that you're doing a collegiate level program. And if you graduate with an IB diploma, is what we call it, you literally can go to any college in the world because any student in the world is taking that's an IB is taking the same coursework. And why that was so critical for those of us in the United States is because many schools overseas that had a more rigorous curriculum, they said our American high schools and schools did not do you know children's service and train them and they weren't as academically strong so hence you had honors classes and you had IB so IB leveled the playing field so having a little background on that going through that particular program I remember it was time and I I did I didn't do straight A's like you I did programs but along the journey it's like I didn't always feel like I wanted to be smart Mm. I knew I was smart. Yeah. I just didn't like I wanted to be, but I did the programs because I didn't have a choice. They wouldn't let me do other programs because I always scored really high. I always performed really well. <laughs> My mom would say that, but I do remember deciding that I was going to go to college and I went to San Diego State. I wanted to be a corporate attorney at the time. And I remember my guidance counselor, after me going through this international baccalaureate program, <laughs> And I remember spending four years of rigorous programming being told, are you sure you want to go to like college? Wouldn't you probably want a lot of kids in our community, whatever they go to junior college, you think it's going to be too hard for you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, whoa. Yeah. And so can you imagine an impressionable 18, you know, young girl, but here's the, here's the thing. And like what you said, there's something about certain of us, maybe it's that name of D or maybe even that, that, <laughs> that was all we have is that when someone says that to me, then any and everything in me wells up that, oh no, no, no. Yes. <laughs> uh, let me show you how I'm going right. to work. This. But here's the part that I'm realizing now as an adult, and I don't know if you experienced this at all, is that I call it those phantom limbs, those residual things and, that were said and imparted in my subconscious and in my, that's buried beneath, that's part of my psychological DNA, as I would call it, come up even now, especially now that I have a child, that I'm a parent, and that either A, I know that how I pour in what I say to my child really matters, but also when I'm questioning when I'm going to take something or do something of challenge, I hear those voices yeah. in my head. And and now they sound more like my voice instead of those people from before because I've already gone so far, so far. But sometimes it's just that other little catalytic piece in there that it still makes me remember that little girl, yeah. that 18 year old and having it no matter what I did, that it wasn't enough. That, I, I, I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is I don't understand the why part of it. And that's not for me. What I realized, I don't need to understand the why, cause I know the who, but what is it that makes women like us say, not on my watch, you're not going to keep me in that box. Well, I think part of it just in general is women. I think women are very strong. I think women are very, very strong. If you just step back and look at what we go through as far as delivering a baby, I mean, scientific research has shown that God has made us to deliver a baby that a male would never survive the delivery of a baby. And you just think of a mom who has a child who stays up hours, doesn't get sleep, but yet functions 
and does everything that she would have done even before she had a newborn baby. In addition to, you know, women who work and even, you know, I give credit to stay at home moms too, because that sometimes is even harder than going to work because (laughs) at the end of the day, you're like, oh my gosh, I was working all day and what happened? Um, um, So I, I feel just as women in general, we have very strong, a strong mentality. And I feel it's almost like we're meant to survive. Or you talk about that psychological DNA, which I which I love that description, because I feel like we were deliberately made with a psychological DNA to survive, and to make sure our family survives. Like you, you know, you hear these stories about moms picking up cars because adrenaline, again, I think that goes by, it goes back to that psychological DNA that we are made to survive. And I believe the majority of us take any negativity like that and say, you know what, I'm going to show them. And I, and I, I agree with you. There is something about being, you know, a colored woman that no matter what, it's so funny because I think this happens to women in general, but my husband and I, whenever we're together, somehow he's still Dr. Mushalak, but people will call me Delian. And, and you know, (laughs) yeah. And I, I, I'm sure that happens. You know, I have female physician friends too, and it happens to them, but I'm just like, seriously, seriously, because I went to the same medical school. I took my exams. Why am I Delian? And I don't know. I think it's just society that somehow it's okay to to tell women, hey, you know, I'm going to call you Delian and not Dr. Delian. Yeah. And first, you know, my apologies, even getting the name wrong, Delian, you know, like making sure you can pronounce it properly. Oh, no, it's Delian, like Celine, but with a D. Delian, you've been saying it oh, right. Oh, I thought, <laughs> yeah, oh, you're saying yeah. it right. Oh, my God, that's her name. But you know what? I, for me, and although I'm not a medical doctor, um, once I earned a PhD, it was very difficult for me to walk in that 24 seven space. And I found myself in the very beginning saying, telling people, um, Oh, just call me because people seem to have a very difficult time, you know, saying it now. Some people did. Yeah. I was corrected in such a professional, beautiful way by not only a colleague of mine, but a mentor of mine. And she said, I will call you Dr. Brown. Every time I see you and in every room, she Mm. said, because little girls and little boys and other women need to see you and know that you're in the room. Yeah. Not for you, but for them as that beacon of hope that yes, I too can achieve and, you know, fill in the blank. I never thought about it that way. And I do recall being in the room and I worked for the department of defense for 16 years and I was stationed overseas and I was a school administrator. So we got to go to these round tables with all of your um, military muckety muck. And we have these once a month, um, meetings and you can imagine, um, being number one, a woman 
And number two, a woman of color yes. <laughs> and being a senior leader on the installation as because I led, you know, one of the schools. And I remember that going around the table, some people that I knew, they would always say, oh, Dr. Brown's here. And they would, you know, introduce me. But I remember the chief of staff um, when I was in, ba- in Bamberg, Germany, anytime he had to address me, he would call me Miss Brown. Hmm. Never Dr. Brown. Now, he's never known me as anything but Dr. Brown. But he would always say, Miss Brown, after being in a meeting for 20, 30 minutes, I've gotten up to speak and give a status report. Everybody addresses me as Dr. Brown. But he would always say, Miss Brown. Well, one day, you know, I had enough. Ha! Ruby Louise came out of me. Ruby Louise is my mama. And I remember getting up and I was, a question was addressed to me and he said, Miss Brown. I said, excuse me. I said, that is Dr. Brown. I said, you may call me Mrs. Brown when I'm with my husband. I said, however, I am Dr. Brown here today. And I turned around and kept speaking. (laughs) I like it. And and I didn't get belligerent and, you know, yeah. but yeah. up to the point I kept saying, why does he do that? And at first I was like, oh, it doesn't matter. But I didn't realize it does because it does matter because now every time I go in a different space, I didn't realize it because I didn't make that unconscious conscious until later how I was shrinking who I was to fit into a space that somebody else wanted me to be in. Mm. And I knew that I, again, because I was strong and I was articulate and, you know, when I walk in the room, not that anyone would ever guess this, I tend to kind of give off sparks. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best way I could describe it, right? Yes. <laughs> and and I, I didn't know how to dull my shine. Yeah. And it was taking a mental and emotional toll on me because I began to question who I was. And, and what my purpose really was in the big scale, not that, okay, I'm here to, you know, take care of children. I'm here to manage systems and lead teams. You know, I got that, but I just kept saying, well, where do, where does even Dina and Dr. Brown begin and end? And by that time I was also Xavier's mom, which I love being Xavier's mom. And so showing up as Xavier's mom and, and having to, I had a conversation with my mom yesterday and I don't know, because you didn't tell him yet that you have triplets. Not yet. We didn't get to that part. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Y'all, I'm sorry. I didn't for you. I have to tell you. We're going to fast forward. Tell us about Because I, they are so cute. And I've seen these little pictures and I can bet that it's just laughing nonstop in that house. <laughs> yes. So we have, well, I'm going to re- rewind because going through the, with the triplets was something very special. Um, my husband and I, so when you do your training, you can do something called a couples match. You can try to match with your spouse, a best friend, but the two bro- programs that Matt and I did were competitive. So not every hospital has it. And of course, like thousands of people are applying to get into these spots. So unfortunately, Matt and I didn't match at the same hospital. So during our residency training, we were in different states. And when we were, after we were finished with our training, um, I was like ready. I was like, let's go. Let's do this. Let's get pregnant. Let's make a baby. And (laughs) (laughs) it was it was just taking some time. And mind you, you know, as women, when you want something, you're like, yeah, like I want it now. 
And I remember calling my mom and I would be in tears. I'd be like, mom, I'm not getting pregnant. And of course, you know, I was also seeing kids in my practice. So even though I love my kids, you're like, I'm like, oh my gosh, like everybody else. And you, of course, you know, when you're trying to get pregnant, like everybody else is pregnant. You know how that is. Like when you want a new car, you're like, everybody else is driving that car. <laughs> yes. So, um, so we were praying and um, I, we're a firm believer every year we give something called our first fruit. So it's extra money that we give. It's separate from our tithes. And I specifically wrote on our check that we were praying for twins. I was like, I am praying for twins. And because we all know as professional women, we put aside our family life. So of course, I was already in my 30s. And I'm like, I want some twins, man. And the you know, I was also praying because my side and Matt's side, we both have twins that run in our families. Wow. So we got the positive pregnancy test and we go to our appointment. We were exactly nine weeks when we went for the ultrasound. And, you know, we saw the ultrasound and both of us, you know, you learn about ultrasounds in school. We're like, look, we think it's two. And the doctor was like, yes, yes, there's two. And then he said, hold up. Oh, my God. <laughs> he said, there's a third one back here. Oh, my <laughs> So that's how we found out. So we were pregnant with triplets and um wow. What's insane, you know, they brought up about us what they call quote unquote reducing the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um so the boys are identical because they were in the same sack and baby girl um she's fraternal. She had her own sack and you can tell cuz she's got a pound and an inch on the boys. <laughs> she was getting all her food through that placenta. She didn't have to share with anybody. Um, so so um So, but, you know, we prayed and we said, you know, God, you put these three babies here that if, you know, something's going to happen during the pregnancy, you're in control. We just gave it to God. We said, no, you know, we're not trying to play God that we're going to see how this pregnancy go and how this pregnancy goes and just pray. And I tell you what, Dr. Dina, we made it to full term schedule C-section you know, overall, no complications. I was on bed rest at the end of the pregnancy, but I mean, I never had issues with my blood pressure, sugar, the babies grew well. Um, we went home, everybody went home at five days. And even the nurses at the hospital said that this was the first set of triplets that they'd ever seen that everybody went home at the same time. And I mean, that's all, that's only God, like, and it's just been, it's just been a blessing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they're a blessing. I mean, they're crazy at times. Sometimes there's some screaming, I mean, from us and them. (laughs) 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 I always try to remind myself, you know, they're, they're only three. So they are three right now, Um, but they're amazing. It's been amazing to watch them grow and they're best friends. And sometimes when they get upset at each other, they'll threaten each other that I'm not going to be your best friend. (laughs) So, um, but it has been um, such a pleasure to, you know, take care of them. And the Bible says, you know, God never gives you more than you can handle. And I always try to remind myself of that when sometimes it can get a little like overbearing when they all have a bad day. But um, overall, I will say they take turns. Everybody always says, oh, is one better than the other? And I'm like, nope. (laughs) <laughs> they just take turns. <laughs> yeah, so they're so much fun. Their names are Luke, Ethan, and Alina um, are their names. So they they are tons of fun. 
Are they gonna get a little brother or sister? Oh, I don't know. I mean, Matt, my husband wants another girl, which I'm sure Alina will probably choke her out if we had another girl because she loves her daddy. Um, But the doctors did say the chances of us having multiples again would be super high. So I don't know. We'll see. Wow. We'll see. We'll leave that in the hands of God. He knows how much we can handle. (laughs) How does that... so? Now, you know, being a mom, being a physician, being Dr. Delane and, and balancing and pulling all that together, that's really, you know, like those nuggets that it's like people are going, I, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it. And for a while when people used to ask me that because my days traditionally were I was on twenty four seven, but I pretty much worked about seventeen of those hours, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they're saying, how are you being a mom, volunteering? Because for my son, I used to coach his mm. little league teams. Oh. And I used to do, I was the pseudo Cub Scout mom, the den mom. I called pseudo because when they camped outside, I stayed there till those little jokers went to sleep. I then drove home. I woke up at the crack of dawn and I went back and I was there when they woke up. Cause I, yeah. that, I that wasn't about, I wasn't about that sleep outside life with no bathroom. So, <laughs> so I call it the pseudo Cub Scout Den Mom. And, and, <laughs> I was there for all of that. And it was really important for me to be present in um, my son's life. It's important for me to be present now yes. in his life because now he's a senior. He's graduating high school. Oh my goodness. You look so good. I wouldn't even imagine that. <laughs> You're going to be an empty nester. You know, when you talked about him, like I picture he was like a little kid when you were like, my little Xavier. Oh my gosh. No, my baby pumpkin is almost 16. I'm like, oh my down. goodness. <laughs> 17 years old. And, and like you, like you were like praying for a child. I was like surprised when I was 30, when I got pregnant mm. and I was like, what am I doing with baby? Like I'm too young. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm too young. You're like, I got all this stuff to check off. I was, you know, I'm, I, I thought I'd be a mom when I was 40 or 50, you know, <laughs> in my mind, because I just consider myself always moving. And yeah. I wasn't the friend. Like I have friends who like they, all they wanted was a baby. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's not, that wasn't my dream. Yeah. And not that I didn't want kids, but I didn't sit around, you know, I love kids, but I never thought about having my own. Now I will say I come from a family of nine. I'm seven. Okay. And um, my nieces and my nephews and I'm number seven. So my siblings are much older than I, well, not much, but they are, you know, significantly older and they were having children who I got to support and take care, you know? Yeah. 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 So I didn't ever have that absence of, so when my sister was going to school and, you know, it was really that village mentality, I would go and take the bus to her place so she could go to school and go to work. And I would watch my nieces for her, you know? So I was around kids, maybe. So I, I never thought about that. I was like, I just want to fly and go and be on the go. And, um, but I remember at a time in my life when Nick Xavier, when God gave them to me and um, I shared yesterday in the post, cause I've just been feeling really emotional lately. Mm. And um, you know, it's between it's the moon and Mars and everything else. <laughs> but really it's just like this sense of wonder. 
I guess, mm-hmm. that I have as a, as a mom, when I start putting my life in perspective and I realize what a gift and a treasure and you weren't at the, um, let me back up. We, we tell people how we met. We met as part of the CEO of entrepreneurial brand brunch and the panel that we were on together. Um, but the day before when we did the brunch and I shared with them that, you know, Dr. Brown, Dina, entrepreneur, whatever, my greatest joy is being a savior's mom. Mm. And I didn't really truly understand and have a cognizant understanding of what my purpose was until I became Xavier's mom. Hmm. And I was talking with um, a business partner two nights ago, and I said, you know, I know now that I have one purpose, one mission, that is to um, inspire, empower, and transform lives. And she said, Dina, have you ever thought about spinning that around? Because I talk about embracing the journey and that metamorphic journey that the butterfly has to take in order to um, walk in its truth. And although everything it ever needed to be the butterfly was there at birth in the egg, but it took the journey to, to bridge forth and it took some trials and tribulations on that journey for it to transform. And I said, you know, when I'm working with... Um, clients and really speaking um, with women because my passion, although I work with teams and organizations, my passion when I founded the Lead Her Shift movement was to shift the way we think about ourselves as women and how we develop and respond as leaders. And it's really about a mindset. And so when I wrote Walking Through Glass and I started to, the divine download that it became, and I was talking to people about that and they go, well, how do you do it? I realized that where we started, it was a mindset shift. Hmm. And so I actually um, published and I'll release it. I keep saying I'm going to release it next week. It's finished. It's finished. But I've just been sitting on it because I've done it before. It's such a birth of my baby. I did a 28-day mindset cleanse Hmm. because to me, it's the prep we need in our step. And as I've been doing this inner work, I'm closing the loop, and doing the inner work of understanding who I am and who I am now today in the present. And so this colleague, and she was talking, she said, Dina, have you ever thought about starting with transform, inspire, empower? She said, because really when we're talking, it's how everything ties together. Right? And that's so true. And she said, everything that you've ever said to me, it always starts with the transformation of the mind first, because I cannot inspire you to be the best version of yourself and empower you to take the action until you have a transformation that starts with your mindset. So true. And I, people go, you think like that all the time. Yeah, I do. I am. I am. I am very goofy. I'm very, I'm very all of those things, but I am just a nerd, a fabulous one. And I love you know, listening um, to learning new things and really digging deep on how the brain works. I don't want to study. I don't want to cut it open. I don't want to look at it. That's what you do. I want to see. I don't even want to see what's inside of me. Okay, but the headspace is so amazing for me. And as women, I think that yes, we're resilient to a certain extent. Yes, we're strong to a certain extent. Yes, 
there's so many different things that um, we can accomplish, but there's an underlying truth there. We often don't walk in our truth and an understanding of really truly who we are. Until we have a deep understanding and awareness or some sort of catalytic um, happening that triggers us to, to evolve into the better version of ourselves. And sadly, some women I know, they don't have that experience. And I want to make sure that not only am I providing opportunities or shows or messaging to say, okay, my sister, what do you need? <laughs> Yes. So what can I, can I be yeah. can you help? help you yes. see that? And, and I don't, I mean, you being in the medical professional, me being in the headspace space, is that <laughs> I was crying this morning. I'm a little even emotional and, and crying because um, one of my good friends shared that a woman that um, I knew, I didn't know her deeply. I only knew her through uh, my girlfriend. Um, you got to might have seen it on the news. She murdered her two boys, killed herself, and burned down the house. Mm. And as a mom, Mm. as a professional, and she was, you know, I think she might have retired from the army. And as a service member, and her husband is still in the service. What was going on? Yeah. For you not to just take your life. But your two children? Yeah. And so mm-hmm. that's why I'm so passionate about us not living in a lie. And quit saying we're okay when we're not. Quit spending time trying to have a mask on for everybody. And 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 saying, you know what? Well, if it's God's will, God's will is for you to thrive, not just yes. to thrive. Yes. But he says also to honor that truth and understand and trust in him and sometimes to be still in him. But he doesn't say not to move. He says to Mm -hmm. be still in him. And I think that so often we're trying to show everybody that we can do it. That when we get so caught and lost and we find out we're buried and down in some hole and we get it gets so dark for us that we can't see our way out. And so that memory was kind of wearing on me this morning. And I just thought, what? And so my girlfriend said, you know, I just talked to her not very long ago. And she was talking about going back into the workforce because she's retired. And she's like, I just don't get it. I can't process this. So when I'm thinking of this balancing act of losing ourselves, trying to find ourselves, identifying and connecting with others who are going to inspire us to be the very best version of ourselves. What does it take? What do we need? What is that trick? What is that tip? What is that, um, that secret sauce that helps you being the mom of triplets, (laughs) driving through all of these um, experiences, the school, the rigor. And I know that you're one brilliant doctor, an amazing diva, but let no one mistake the hard work you put in Mm. (laughs) doing your journey, the sleepless nights, the, the opportunities where you had to say, no, I can't go. (laughs) Yeah. The sacrifices that you had to make to get to where you are now. And more important, the sacrifices you felt you had to make 
to prove a point. You know, what is it? What is that advice that if there's one piece to give our listeners, a woman out there or man, okay, you're listening to, you know, you should listen to women, but this show is really about speaking into the hearts and the souls and breathing life into women. What is that? What would you tell them? I think it all goes back to in that mom with her two sons and such sons is such a perfect example is just honesty. Mm-hmm. I think one big thing is just honesty in general, being honest with yourself and knowing your limitations and being honest with other people. And, you know, one big thing that people talk about now is finding your tribe. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's hard. I think the majority of women are very jealous and competitive and don't support you. But even if there's one person <laughs> in your tribe that you can go to who can support you, stick close to that person. And an example I'll use just as a physician, let's say I go in with a patient. I had a medical student ask me about this the other day. She asked me, do you get anxious before you go into a room? Like, how do you know they're not going to ask you a question and you don't know? And what if you can't, you know, think of what the diagnosis is? And I told you, you know, I never stopped to think about that, but I told her, I laughed and I said, no, I don't get anxious. And I said, because you know what? If I don't know it, I'm just honest with them. And I just say like, hey, you know, I'm going to have to read up about this a little bit. Because you know what? No matter who you are, whether you're a physician, a researcher, a lawyer, you do not know everything. And there will be things that you have to look up. And I, what I found is patients are more respectful of the fact that you were honest with them. And they feel that, oh, you know, she's taking time out to like research what's going on for with me. And I think the same thing as a mom, you just need to be honest. Like I know a lot of times you don't want to ask your husband or your boyfriend to help because you're like, well, I've been always washing the clothes. I've been always washing the dishes. You know what? If you need help, say like, Hey, can you drop the kids to school today? Like I, like I would love to sleep in. And I think you would be surprised that if you ask for help or if you're honest, people would be open to it because people would be like, I don't even know how you've been doing it this long. And you're only asking now for help. Um, (laughs) So I think, I think that we try and I agree with you. We all try to put on this facade. I always laugh. I can't remember who it was, but it was a physician, one of my teachers in medical school who said, you know, we have a tendency when people say like, hey, how are you doing? We always say good. And how are you? Mm hmm. And he said, sometimes it's just good because he was saying in medical school is just so stressful. Stop saying you're good because I know you're all stressed out. And he's like, it's okay to see somebody and be like, hey, you know, yesterday I had a hard day. Like the kids would not go to bed. I didn't get to bed until like an hour later. You know, it's okay to tell them that your day didn't go well. It's all right because everybody's going to have that day. So, you know, it's so sad to hear about that mom. And I didn't hear about that story, but a lot of those stories go back to like some sort of mental instability, whether that's depression or anxiety or, you know, loneliness or grief or something just from her childhood. You never even know what happened. 
during yes. her childhood that could, you know, still be still just, you know, those demons that are still harassing oh, her until limbs. now. They are. They're those phantom um, limbs. And, and when, exactly. you're not, when you're having those experiences and, and something that you had said and two things I wanted to, um, to address one is that I hear often that, you know, the majority of women are jealous of other women. They don't like to, they don't like to help or support other women. I don't believe that to be true. I don't think it's a majority. I think it's some, a high profile minority. And mm. then others have been bushwhacked into believing that that's the status quo. <laughs> I mean, she's <laughs> like, I mean, I do. I've heard that so much. And I'm like, well, the people that I'm meeting, yeah, the women that I'm connecting to, when I have a real good spirit of discernment, because I don't connect to everybody, and some people I love them from a distance, you know, is that many of them are afraid to mm. trust, believe, and to support because they've heard, again, as a man thinketh, so he shall be. But also what you're hearing, so be cautious who's pouring into your ears. Yes. And that if you're if you've heard this since you've been a child or growing up, you're repeating this over and over, and it becomes part of your psychological DNA. And so you keep saying this, but is that how you are? So if this isn't who you are, then why is it so easy to believe and to accept that this is how the majority of other women are? Mm. That might be a whole nother show. I mean, like that, I, I've heard that and I've heard speakers get up and go to a women's conference. Which I often don't really go to many women's conferences anymore. Okay. Because it's not about the, the, what are we going to do there? Are we going to talk about action items we want to do? Yeah. <laughs> or do we just kind of want to lament on the trials and tribulations of our lives? So yeah. it has to be about action. But I have heard number of speakers get up, especially women speakers, and they will say, you know, as I'm building my tribe, you guys are all here. I love y'all. And usually women don't work together. Who says? And how, why are all these women here then? If that's true. Mm-hmm. So true. And so that dichotomy that exists, <laughs> that's mm-hmm. me in my nerd space because I'm always kind of questioning. <laughs> I love it. Because I'm saying, is it a lie we've been, we bought? Or is it the truth? So I I don't say that anymore. I used to say the same thing. <laughs> and I don't say that anymore because guess who then I begin to attract? Narcissistic individuals. Mm. So I speak to the fact that I am number one. I'm, I'm open. I love me <laughs> so much. That it allows me to love you as you are, who you are, et cetera, as long as you're not toxic. And if you're toxic, you can be toxic by yourself over to the side. <laughs> and I'm still keep doing me and loving on me. Yeah. And so because I have shifted my language, my thought, my actions, and when I'm telling you, this last two years, it has been a journey. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I started to intentionally and consciously call myself to the carpet. For things that were, you know, like, okay, I'm going to need you to stop right now. And this is how I talk to myself when I'm talking to myself. (laughs) I'm going to say, okay, where does that come from? Is this something you heard? Is it because your mom said that? And where does she get it from? Because you don't know what you Mm -hmm. don't know. 
So true. And so, so that, so that's kind of that other piece. And I realized that mm-hmm. when I met you, and even like the text, you're like, "Hey, I'm like, hey, I'm gonna have lunch. What you doing? Okay, I'm gonna come." You, know? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? But yes. if the majority of women were narcissistic vampires, yeah, and I yeah. That up. <laughs> <laughs> I make up stuff too. Mary J. Blige says I can't. Um, then that wouldn't be the case. Yeah, and you wouldn't be you. And I think part of that too is a, is what's important kind of going back to like asking and saying something because you never know. Like if I'm in the corner and I'm like, oh, I see her over there and she's so cool, but I'm not going to talk to her because she's probably way too cool for me. And, mm-hmm. but you know, look how we connected. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, you're so sweet. Like I love your charisma and just, you know, when you speak, I love listening to you. Then I'm like, she's amazing and she inspires me, but you never know unless you talk to somebody. And yeah, I'm sure there's some women there who will say, Hey, you're, you're not even good enough for me to talk to, but you're right. The majority of women are probably like, Hey, let me take you under your, my wing. I've mm-hmm. done this. Why reinvent the wheel? Cause I'll let you know how I did it. Right. And some people are just shy. And so True. people who are brilliant and who people don't realize that Beyonce actually is an introvert. Mm. That's why she has what she says. Sasha Fierce is the one that's on stage usually. And and she's an introvert. And I tell people, I'm an ambivert. When I'm out, I'm out. But because people pull a lot of my energy, when I'm done, I'm shut down. I'm I'm on the locked and shut in, honey. Y'all be praying for me, sending me meals. (laughs) (laughs) But I know what God called me to do. Mm. And so I have to get out of my own way. Yes. And I'll sit there sometimes. My favorite place is to be in the corner watching people. And people used to think that, oh, she's standing up. No, I'm just watching people. Yeah. I'm loving that. But if so, and they go, oh my gosh, or like you, you nailed it. People would assume, which is why in the beginning, I didn't want to tell people that I had a PhD or I'm Dr. Brown, because then they start giving me airs that I didn't have. Mm-hmm. I so true. So that's why I, you, and, and there's no cure. There's no answer. And it just takes time. So here's what I said I could do. As I know, I'm like, we're going to like go on like for forever in 15 days. I know. I know. <laughs> you know, that's where I was going to have to come, to have to come back. But here's what I do do. So I always like to end the show with, okay, here's my, my one thing that is that one thing that I chose to do to make sure that on this journey and this balancing act and pulling it all together. Um, to make it work. Okay. My one thing is I'm going to love myself on purpose with purpose. And I'm going to love me first because when I chose to love myself first, it allowed me to give from my overflow to Mm -hmm. everyone else. And so I wasn't seeking balance. I was seeking harmony amongst everything that I had going on. Sometimes things are out of balance. That is the nature of things. But when I actually focus on being harmonic and being in harmony, it meant that, okay, I worked 20 hours yesterday working on something. So, you know, I'm going to sleep in today. I'm going to pick and journal and pencil myself in first, a date with me. Yes, I make dates with myself. (laughs) And I put it on the calendar. No, I don't want you going with me. No, I'm not calling Boo Boo Twan and Chamila. I ain't calling nobody. I'm going to make a date with me. 
I might take myself out to dinner, happier, go sit on the beach. It's just me being with me. Mm -hmm. And when I started to pour into myself, then when I'm in the giving mode and I'm in the helping mode, I don't feel like I shortchange myself because say, I don't know if this ever happened to you, but it's happened to me. Oh man, I didn't, I don't did all this for them and they going on. I, I ain't done nothing for myself. I don't say that. Yeah. <laughs> I do for me first. So that means I can support you abundantly. Mm-hmm. I feel full and I had to take charge of that by choosing myself first. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's so true because unless you're happy and content with what you do and your purpose, that's not what you'll reflect to others. You can't help others until you help yourself first. Oh, Lord, child. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So what's your one thing? All right. So as we wrap up, what's your one thing? So my one thing as far as just my purpose and juggling everything would be my huge thing is prayer. Mm. Just taking that time to sit. And you know, that goes back to what you said. That is just alone time Mm -hmm. that you take because one, that gives me time to meditate and be in a quiet place and get all my thoughts together. In addition to just, just cry out for help. Mm -hmm. Like I need help. This is is what I need help with. Or if something was unfair to say this was unfair. Um, So that's the one thing. It's funny. I was um, in 2018, the local newspaper, we were living in Georgia. One of the editors approached me and she said, we would love to write an article about you. They have this cool magazine called Moments. And um, she, after she interviewed me, she named it Triple Threat. And Dr. Mushalak, she put Dr. Mushalak does it all with prayer and a planner. It's so true. I love it. (laughs) And it's so, so true. And I think, you know, whatever the case may be, you know, who, whatever higher being you believe in, I think it says a lot. Just when you take some time to sit there and, you know, meditate and reflect Because if we don't take time to reflect on things we've done or mistakes that we've made, that won't help us in the future. That won't help us to correct it or make things better or to improve or to go to a higher level. Um, So it is important. I know a lot of time as women and as moms, we get caught up because you're on like, go, 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 go mode. Mm -hmm. But it's just good to take time to reflect, to say, you know, why did that happen? Or why did that go wrong? What can I do different the next time? Or how can I improve this? So I think that's also important. Yeah. You know, you're, you're right. Every, I, I calendar, like, I love that prayer and a planner. (laughs) I actually do two things. I start my morning with prayer and meditation every morning. And it's in my calendar. It's like an mm-hmm. alarm. And then I have a midday mindfulness moment. Mm. And so I just calendared 10 minutes in the middle of the day for me to reflect on being present and grateful. Mm. I love it. And it's on my calendar. It's, I planned it. And so that's that part of, you know, I needed this so that I could be the best version of me for those who are I'm called to serve. Mm. And, and that's the, I guess that's the beauty of it. So, 
oh my God, this has just been such an amazing, amazing. It, has it was been. like almost like an hour. I don't, I told you. I'm like, <laughs> It was so easy. That went by so fast. <laughs> it went by so, so fast. But I definitely want to make sure that um, all of our listeners get a chance of how do they, how do they connect with you? How do they yeah. follow you um, and learn more about Dr. Mom? So for sure, you can learn more about me and what I do on my website. That's www.deleanmuselak.com. That's my name, D-E-L-E-N-E-M-U-S-I-E-L-A-K.com. Um, in addition, you can feel free to email me. I love getting emails. My email is Show at gmail.com. That's D-R-M-O-M-S-H-O-W at gmail.com. Um, I love getting any comments about topics you want me to cover on the show. Um, I don't give any medical advice per se. It's just a, it's an informational show. So I really enjoy talking about different topics. So if you have any topics you want me to cover, I'd love to do that. Um, I also offer parent coaching um, I've really enjoyed that because that helps me to mix me being a physician with helping parents live healthy in a busy, in a busy, busy lifestyle, but in addition to helping you with parenting too. Um, so living up to your parenting skills, but doing it in a healthy way. Um, oh, so I if you want to connect about that, um, but I'm so, so excited. So definitely shoot me an email. Check me out on my website. And <laughs> Dr. Dina and I will have to tri- plan this trip, this Dr. I'm Mom. Serious. You think I'm joking. <laughs> you think I'm joking. We're going to have a Dr. Mom's Club get away. I like know? it. It's not like a reboot. It's, and it's purely just to go and and be with other women yes. who just want to and just when I say have a good time, it's kind of me, I, I call it doing self-care. I don't mm-hmm. want to talk about self-care. I want to do it. So yes. I don't talk about what I should be doing. Let's go get in it. And so I call I like it doing self-care getaway. And, um, you know, you definitely can continue to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at, at Dr. Dina Speaks, D-R-D-E-E-N-A-S-P-E-A-K-S. Um, and listening to Walking Through Glass, the podcast, which are available on iTunes, Google Music Play, Stitcher, Spotify, <laughs> and of course, our host, Podbean. But really, the biggest gift is for you to share um, because we had an engaging, amazing conversation. And I know the things that we're talking about and we had a chance to speak to that somebody else also has been through, going through, and and probably needs to know that, hey, sister, you're not by yourself. So definitely feel free to share, 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 share um, on um, all your platforms. And I don't know, like with that, We just have to say until the next time and look out for more information on the self-care, selfish mom retreat. Dr. Mom Show. (laughs) Vacay. Thanks. Bye-bye.